0: You are now listening to You Will Drive Effortless Growth with your host and CEO, Brand Whisperer, Brett Sklar.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Drive Effortless Growth podcast. Before we dive in, I wanted to talk to you about the treat that you are going to be receiving for the next 45 minutes to an hour. Chris Noonan, the person I'm interviewing, is a person I've known for a long time. He's been my coach, he's been my CEO chair, he has been a chair of Vistage Groups for years. It's so exciting to have people on this podcast that I've known for a long time. And because of the way that we ask the questions, because of the way that we are interviewing, I get to see this person in a whole new realm. Chris is an amazing guy. He has helped more people find growth than anybody I know. He does it hands-on, day-to-day, working with CEOs, not just talking to thousands of people at a time. He sees the struggles that CEOs go through. It's really amazing to hear him talk about the things that he sees working with CEOs and the things that he sees not working. He uses concepts that you would not think of when you're talking to someone who talks to CEOs all day long. Trust, passion, things like that. Things like thinking, making sure that you're thinking. Could you imagine telling the CEO, start thinking for a change? Well, Chris has to do that sometimes. This is going to be an interesting podcast, and I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you have a lot of fun. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you might be listening to this podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you enjoy it at 1x, 1.5x, 2x, maybe even 10x, and we all sound like the chipmunks. Today I'm excited. I've got with me a guest that I've actually known for quite a long time. A hundred million years, it feels like, but it's actually been about what six years seven years a hundred million sounds good to me okay perfect I have known our guests for a hundred million years and I'm excited to introduce you to someone who has been a guide for me a mentor to me a coach and an overall facilitator who has really helped me out in my business and quite honestly in my life as well with that huge introduction and putting so much pressure on you Chris Noonan Please introduce yourself, who are you and what
0: do you do? Well, thank you, Brett. I really appreciate the chance to uh, work with you again and again and again, and I want it to be 101 million years when we're we're through. Uh, Yeah, I I bring together and facilitate peer groups, indeed advisory boards of CEOs, business owners and, and top executives. These folks build respect and attract followings that create innovative and successful companies. They're driving our economy and they're building our community. That's what I do.
1: That's pretty cool. I think you do a lot more than those key things, but we'll get into a lot of that because you've again helped me in so many different ways. Um, Chris, you have an interesting perspective. You have an interesting lens on the world. And actually, before we get into that, I'd like to say, this is the first podcast that we're doing or that I'm doing, where I'm actually getting to look eye to eye with my interviewee. And I got to be honest, it's a lot more awesome. It's a lot more interactive. And I hope you are able to pick up on this during this podcast. Back to my question, though. Uh, Chris, you have an interesting perspective. You get the lens of seeing a lot of business leaders. And most of us don't get a chance to look at a lot of business leaders and help out a lot of different business leaders. What kind of perspectives does does that
0: give you? Well, my, my currency are conversations and it's truly quirky conversations because I get to ask questions and every time I ask a question, I'm learning something. I'm learning something new. And my intention is to ask questions that will illuminate a situation that will indeed shine a light on things that I've never seen before and that whoever is answering the question has never seen before. If I do that well, there's success. How do you know if you do it well or not do it well? It depends. Uh, When I've worked with you, Brad, I know that it's working well when you squirm in the seat just a little bit more than than, uh, if you don't and I'll know that I've really done it well if I'm squirming too. Well, Chris, from my perspective, it's worked really well.
1: (laughs) A lot of squirming going on. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So you are, I'm going to call you, and I call you the CEO coach. You've been a coach to me, and I consider myself a CEO. You're also a facilitator, a mentor. How would you describe the actions and the activities that you do
0: to someone who hasn't Uh, gotten to know you before. As I said, the objective is to create peer advisory boards. And and I do that. And and I I do that by collecting and assembling people that are just like you, people who are running businesses that have total control over the destiny of their business and are extremely interested in the success of their clientele. Mm -hmm. And you are that you you resemble that every day and you walk and talk it. Uh, So that's, that's the driver point there. Got it. Got it. Okay.
1: Um, So I think a lot of people would probably ask the question, what makes you qualified? What makes you good at being a CEO coach? Obviously you have the people that you've worked with who sing your praises and say, yes, this works. Uh, But out of curiosity, what is the career path that you've gone through to get you to the point where you are, Helping uh, leaders through peer advisory groups
0: and boards. I've been leading people since I was seventeen years old and in business. Uh, i've been I've worked with some of the smartest and most innovative people on the planet. And while I've worked in various industries and I have a uh, a thought of being a recovering technologist, some of my code is still running after 50 years it's crazy to think about that Uh, it's just being around really smart innovative people that have a purpose in life yeah that's what's given me the opportunity to talk to people yeah that's fantastic you
1: know i uh, it's fun to work with you because I am more focused on the technology end of things, and you have that technology background. So yes, you is. are. You <laughs> are, You work with great technology companies. I, uh, you know, I enjoy working with technology companies. I love the ones who believe in their mission to a point of almost insanity, and they're so driven and they're so passionate. And I see that. Oftentimes, I work with those companies, oftentimes, and I feed off of that, to be honest, um, to a point where I forget to bill my clients sometimes for enough of the work because I love just being um, shoulder to shoulder with the CEOs of these emerging tech companies. Well, uh, we can
0: talk about that uh, <laughs> that element of not billing for folks later. Uh, <laughs> the technology that you work with, though, is not limited to information technology. It's 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 human technology that that you play with you you work in oil and gas environments you've you've worked with theater chains you've worked in in places that i I find uh, that where the technology isn't apparent and that's exactly what you do is make it transparent
1: yeah it's funny when i worked uh when i worked for a company as the chief marketing officer i think it was vp of marketing actually We had an opportunity to work with mcdonald's and we went to hamburger university and i remember sitting down with the president and him explaining mcdonald's is a technology company they just happen to have a lot of real estate and happen to have a lot of animal product and food product as a part of their production but they must be thought of as a technology company and i've always kept that with me and I do think that it's not just IT companies, it's not just software companies, it's not just technology hardware, but it's people who use technology as a as an advantage or as a competitive advantage
0: that I really enjoy working with. So that's a good perspective. And I appreciate that because I see the handiwork that you've you've accomplished and the successes, and that's what makes a difference. It's you're behind the scenes. Nobody sees your handiwork. I get to see your handiwork, and it's great.
1: So if I'm behind the scenes, you're the guy behind the guy who's behind the guys. You have an interesting perspective that you get to talk to a lot of CEOs and see the things that are working and the things that don't work. Um, What is that, and I'm going a little bit off script here, but just kind of out of curiosity, what is it that you think because the CEOs, the leaders that are listening to this podcast, they're wanting to get to the essence of this, of this call. And they want to know what is it by working with a bunch of different business leaders, what is it you see as a consistent thread of the people that are working and doing it well? And what is it you see as a consistent, consistent thread of the people who are
0: struggling and who are challenged? It's not about me. It's, It's not about what I see. Uh, nor is it about uh, performance or efficiency. Uh, It's about clearing paths for CEOs to drive their dreams into, into some sense of reality. It's also about courage to pursue those grand adventures and those grand experiments that are clearly something that they want to accomplish if there's any way that those paths can get cleared mm-hmm. there's any way that those adventures can can be opened up and now i'm i'm operating at a very high level of of my own performance okay and therefore theirs okay okay you know i have been around a lot of
1: leaders i have been around you know quite a few ceos and i'm a member of chris's group uh i'm a member of I've been a member of vistage off and on for years I feel like I've performed a little bit more effectively when I've been in the Vistage group and in the Vistage activity than when I've been outside of it. And you're a speaker. And I speak to Vistage groups and I get to see a perspective from, from that point of view. I see that CEOs who are thirsty for knowledge, who admit and embrace the fact that they don't have the answers that are looking for the better, more effective ways are the ones who are really growing. Uh, there are several peers, you know in, in one of my former Vistage groups, that uh, they are there every single month. They are eager to learn from the speakers that come to the groups. They are open about opening up their kimonos, about issues they're having, because they want feedback from their peers around them. And those people thrive they thrive day in they thrive day out and they very likely thrive not just in the business world but also in the personal lives as well and so i see that that is um something that i get out of being a part of this board, you know this this peer advisory group and i see others who really embrace that and are open to feedback and want to know more and know how to do things different are
0: the ones that are really truly thriving I answered your last question of it's not about me and I believe that the people who sit in these peer advisory boards, especially the ones that you know personally, it's not about them either. Mm-hmm. It is about their vision, it is about their dream, it is about the purpose by which they are living. They have something in mind that is much greater than themselves. and they're going to make those things happen and they're going to drive down that path. That's why every month they'll come together for a full day as, as you do, and you will work uh, with these folks without any agenda on their hands whatsoever, other than helping the other guy achieve what they're, uh, what they're trying to do. Yep. Yep. And in fact, and I know Chris, you're probably not
1: going to, um, the drum of Vistage, but I definitely will. Um, the, there are statistics, and, and we can actually put an attachment to the most recent um, index that's come out. But the CEOs or the leaders that are a part of, you know, your peer advisory boards, uh, Vistage advisory boards, outperform others by a pretty good rate. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, it's two. It's two point two, and Dunham Bradstreet was the one that that uh, did the independent survey. You're right, uh, Vistage outperforms. But those are just key performance indicators. That's not what's important to these guys. What's important to every woman and every man that is operating inside a Vistage group is the performance of their dream, is the performance of, of, of their purpose. That's what makes a difference here. So then let's dive into a question specific to you.
1: And uh, as people who've listened to this podcast know, I am a nerd, I'm a geek, I love uh, action movies, I love the superheroes, I love the villains, I love all of it. Um, Not calling you a villain today, Chris. Uh, I might have called you that before when you've actually made me uncomfortable and squirm on my seat, but today you're a superhero. So being a superhero, Chris, what is the one superpower? And you have many, but what's one that you'd really like to focus on that that gives you a special ability?
0: Uh, My mother, my father, my wife, my children taught me to love people. Uh, Love is the greatest superpower anybody can ever have.
1: That's, That's amazing. And that is not something you would often hear from someone who is spending a lot of their time coaching CEOs who you would think are just down to business and only want you to come to help them with their business.
0: Life gets in the way of business. Yep. And if you and I both know we've sat across the table and talked about things that have absolutely nothing to do with business and everything to do with your life. So uh, I am I am intentional about ensuring that you deal with the whole person as you work through issues and you look at possibilities and opportunities and therefore we have to look under every stone, everything, beliefs, what have you, to ensure that the dream is realized. And sometimes things get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I believe love is so darn important. That's, uh, I think we should end the show on that note,
1: although we have a lot more to go through. but I do think that's very powerful, and I think it sort of shows that uh, it's beyond just the numbers. Uh, and that's one of the things I really enjoyed about being a part of this is getting to know people at a personal level, at a more intimate level, and understanding what's behind people, not just what, they, what their title is.
0: I've seen that with you. I mean, you have gone through some challenges in your, in your life that have nothing to do with business. Yeah. And I mean, hard ones and, and, and tough ones. And yet what has driven you over the years is the, the love that you have for your son, uh, the love that you have for the people around you, all of the people around you. That makes a difference. And that's why I'll keep coming back and keep having conversations. Well, I appreciate that. What,
1: um, this, this podcast is called Drive Effortless Growth. And it's not called Drive Easy Growth. It's called Drive Effortless Growth. And the whole idea is to find the things that are more natural and the things that people are stronger at and really focus on the strengths. But what, what about you? What, what does it mean to you to drive effortless growth based on what you've seen?
0: Drive effortless growth. It's 4 a.m. Uh, you can't wait to get up and charge toward whatever dream you've got. Uh, you know what you do today is going to make a friggin' difference. And so you're up and you're at them. I mean, there's no question that that's one of the things. So purpose is there. And your team shares that passion. Uh, they're up and at them too. Not just ready, but they're anxious. They're eager. They're eager to, to move that dream towards reality. You can see it all the time. Uh, another one that comes to mind driving effortless growth, what's, chari- what's a characteristic that demonstrates it? it is trust. Uh, trust among many. Uh, maybe one of the most important things. Uh, another thing that is effortless and we don't do it enough is thinking. Uh, the whole idea that we can spend some time alone, we can spend some time with a group of people that we trust and we admire uh, to think out loud and to think silently loud. Silently loud, yeah. It's you're, you're you're known as the shock and awe guy in the in, in in the world. Your shock, your awe is sometimes so silent that it shatters uh, uh, the air, airwaves.
1: <laughs> there was a, a a speaker that came to one of our sessions, and and uh, and yes, I am plugging Vistage because I've been involved in Vistage at the member level, at the speaker level, going to the annual events, and so. Uh, you know, I have no shame about it. I am talking about visage on this podcast and the benefits I have received firsthand. There was a speaker that came, and I don't remember who he was, but one of the key things was to sit and think. And literally was at a chair at the entrance to his office and would sit there for 15, 20 minutes just thinking. And he guided us to do that. And I think he was a speaker who came back for a second time and some of the my peers in the Vistage group had heard him once before. And they stated that they had done that. And they got the weirdest looks from, or he had gotten the weirdest looks from his employees as they came in, because he was sitting at a chair thinking for 15 to 20 minutes each morning. And it had a profound effect and a profound impact on the employees and how they would stop and think about what they're doing is just going through the motions. So I do believe that that's a very powerful thing. And I, I actually, that's something I learned and really appreciated from uh, this. Is, and in fact, is a reason why I try to do about 20 minutes worth of meditation in the mornings is to think. And the better thinking happens when you're trying to not think, uh, in my mind. And, and uh, I really enjoy that quite a lot.
0: You and I have the benefit of having Dr. Carl Clark uh, amongst us, and he's the CEO of the Mental Health Center of Denver. And his introduction of meditation and of this thought process of ensuring that we can clear our mind before we can accomplish anything, uh, as a positivity psychologist psychiatrist that he is, boy, You know, we've learned a lot, and uh, we benefit from having him in in a a group. Yep, yep. He's uh, and he has uh, he is one
1: of the more positive uh, and and more optimistic people that I know, and I think that's driven a lot of his his success and and huge success. Um, what do you think? Going back to sort of helping guide people that are listening to this call. What's the key area you see the CEOs are afraid to ask for help?
0: Or are they afraid to ask for help? And, you know, there's really no one area that I can think of that you can say is the only area that people are afraid to ask for help on. We've touched on it before. Uh, personal relationships may be, you know, high up there on the list. People are afraid of what people might think if their relationships aren't perfect. And so having a conversation about where you are relationship wise and improving those relationships Mm -hmm. is something that CEOs and key executives tend to not want to appear vulnerable. Another one is, uh, is health. Uh, People don't want to feel vulnerable. And yet we've had people who are uh, substantially overweight sit in Vistage groups and we will have a speaker on the subject of let's get your act together. If indeed your health is impeding your ability to achieve your dream, let's do something about it. We've had guys lose a bunch of weight. Uh, We've had women change their attitudes towards things and health is high up on the list. I could go on if you want. Uh, deep, deep beliefs. Uh, another thing that people are, are reticent to talk about is the things that have held them back from far back in their lives. A belief, I've, I've heard people say that their father would tell them that they don't have the capability to accomplish something. And they'll believe that. You'll never make much of yourself. And that can hold people back too. And it holds people back who are CEOs. Uh, Another one is the, what I call the imposter syndrome, where uh, they are afraid that they're going to be discovered that they are not the person that they appear to be. Uh, They have a facade in front of them. So these are some of the areas that I believe CEOs are afraid to uh, focus on. To provide a safe place to have that conversation, to be able to discuss personal relationships or your health or the fact that you don't know that you're going to get discovered as not being the superhero that everybody thinks you are uh, is is a, uh, a valuable thing to have in your back pocket.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, imposter syndrome. I I remember one of the more powerful speakers we had at our group, you on your best day. Michael Olasso. Yep. And uh, Michael's message was really that you want to be professional and present an air, not necessarily an air of confidence, but that you want to be somebody that people feel like they can count on and rely on. And have consistency, and I can see that message of, of you on your best day and every day be on your best day, and the imposter syndrome being a little bit of a of a, of a um, opposing concepts. So CEOs, business leaders who have employees, who have teams, who have customers, who have investors, they need to put on a certain front each day, even when. They might not intrinsically feel it on a certain day. How do you do that, and then how do you avoid the imposter syndrome? Like, where does that
0: balance take place? It's all driven by purpose. If indeed what you're doing has a great purpose, uh, Al Killeen, uh, speaks in sole Proprietorship in a brand new book that he's uh, that he's just out with on the fact that if you're operating from a purposeful existence and your company or your organization is operating from a purposeful existence, it's then not about you. And therefore you can be the cheerleader toward that purpose. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than the people that are around you. It's much more driven by what you're trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah, and Al is fantastic as well, as far as the speaker goes, and being very authentic and being incredibly vulnerable to people he just meets during the Vistage round table, you know, the the Vistage sessions where he's speaking. I I fast forwarded and I I went one step too far ahead because I was so excited to ask the question about CEOs being afraid to ask for help. I didn't ask the question before that, which is, and maybe it actually is timely that we're asking this question after the other question of, when you're working around these CEOs, where are they working too hard? Where are they fighting upstream too much and not getting ahead? What's their biggest
0: frustration? Well, they really know it's possible. Uh, They believe in people. They truly believe that the people that they've got are the right people around. And you know, what happens there is with this or a particular idea or an initiative that's in motion, they fail too slowly. They almost would die rather than fail and so as a result some people might be in places in the organization that they believe they're going to succeed at and yet if they're going to accomplish what they have in mind they're probably not the right person in that mo in that particular place or they have a project that they're champion championing and it is not giving the results that they want. Uh, Failing and failing fast is something that uh, CEOs don't work hard enough at.
1: Boy, I tell you, I am, um, I hate to admit it, but I am the first one to say that I am so afraid of failing that I've failed at failing. with employees and needing to make decisions with bad clients that just was not a right fit. And I was afraid to say no to the business with opportunities that presented themselves that maybe didn't necessarily fail a sniff test, but they didn't pass a sniff test. And I was too eager with that. But I, I am the first person to say that I fail at failing and I fail at failing fast. And that has caught up with me several times
0: uh, Sam Reese, uh, who 's the CEO of Vistage, says that CEOs are in the, are in the business of making decisions, and indeed yeah, that 's very true. Making decisions is uh, something that 's very different from people within many organizations. If you think of the largest organizations they 're the kind of places where you can 't make a decision bad enough to get fired simply because you can 't make a decision. Mm-hmm. CEOs don't have that choice and division leaders don't have that choice. They have to make decisions every day and failing fast is the opportunity to say a decision I have just made, or I made a while ago gets to be looked at again. People who make a lot of decisions in a day can change those decisions. Indeed, there's only one decision in life that is irreversible. What is that? Well, it's it's suicide, and that's not something that that I focus on too often. On the other hand, I will say, every decision that you make in life can be reversed one way or another.
1: Yep. It's. Uh, I mean, I I think I found the title of this uh, podcast is "Fail and Fail Fast to Succeed." my son's school is phenomenal it's a science and technology school it's very intense he hates it some days likes it other days they have a motto that says if you're going to fail fail fast and learn from it and boy what an amazing organization that teaches kids that that's not bad to fail but don't let it linger forever when they're in eighth grade when they are in middle school Uh, It's just, it's just amazing. And learning that early on definitely helps establish and set up the leaders of tomorrow for success.
0: Sure. Yeah. And it, it establishes competition. It allows you, you know, in your business that working with and against competitors is a, is important for your clientele, Mm -hmm. understanding the competitors and therefore knowing what's going on. If we, if we do not teach, our children that competing is okay and that winning isn't your only choice that occasionally losing has a has its moments uh, we're in trouble yeah yep so it's
1: interesting when I'm working with companies and, and I primarily work with CEOs and work with their teams and develop branding but also growth strategies You know, one of the things I feel is sometimes the CEOs keep me around and keep me on retainer because they're lonely, because they want somebody that understands business strategy. They want somebody that understands their business, but isn't in the business so that they can be guided to make better decisions. What are some resources that are out there that help CEOs from feeling like they are uh, the only person on the island that understands
0: what's going on? You're right. Uh, CEOs do feel lonely at the top, and they really cannot go to a number of sources to to get any kind of advice. They can't go to their their executive leadership team because he, he they're they're in motion on on various topics. They can't go to their families, their spouse. Uh, because they may have something in mind that, that that's different, they can't go to their investors, uh, they can't go to their clients, they can't go to their suppliers. there's there's it's really tough for for them to go anywhere. Uh, I have found that having a group of people around you who are your peers that are not necessarily invested in any of what you have, is a very valuable resource. I, I spoke with Leo. In fact, I met with Leo Bateri yesterday. He wrote a book called "The Power of Peers," uh, and it it challenges us to think about how often we have created peers in our lives—from uh, our early families to sports teams that we were on to groups of alumni to yeah, I saw a movie yesterday this this weekend called 12 Strong the very intense uh, activity after 9/11 where where special forces achieved something these people came together in a in a bonded trust and made something happen that couldn't have happened without them together uh so it's really not what you know it's really not what you have. It's who you surround yourself with that, that makes the dreams become reality. So to me, the lonely at the top is solved by having people, by surrounding yourself with some smart, intelligent, diverse people that can allow you to get around it. So a peer group to me is a, is, is a top thing. Lots of other choices and yet I believe that there's nothing more powerful than a group of people that care about you. Mm -hmm. that can make a difference. Uh,
1: And again, uh, you know, firsthand experience with Vistage, I have found that in Vistage. I have found where I am struggling when I am having issues with employees or having issues with family, where I am kind of stuck. And I know I'm definitely not the smartest guy in the room. I know I'm far from the smartest guy in the room when I'm with my peer advisory group. And I have no fear to ask questions, to open up kimonos, to put things together that really create a safe environment. And I can uh, ask stupid questions. I can come up with problems with contracts or employees or significant others or kids, and others will have the same experience as well. And I've seen it with others. In fact, you know, a couple of months ago, we were uh, in our our monthly visited session and one of the people was having some issues with growth in this business and and we as a peer advisory group in a loving way said that maybe putting your kid in place might have not been the best idea or the best way to think about things and it was a tough love moment and it was sort of a tough thing to discuss but it was one of those things that needed to be said and so definitely uh, you know, feel that sense of it doesn't have to be so lonely and it's the people that you trust to surround yourself with uh, to make these dreams become a reality. And uh, you know, the resources of being around peers is probably the best thing in the world.
0: One of the things that uh, you, you mentioned, of a fear of failure, a uh, fear of success comes into that play as well. Uh, and at the end of the day, to have people that can say, "I've been there, I've done that," can give you the courage to act where you might not have acted, where you might have thought, "Let me think about this a little longer while I've said thinking is good, uh, decisions are the job of people who are at the top. what
1: What do you see What do you see allows? CEOs, leaders, you know, business leaders to be able to think about their business instead of being stuck in the business, to work on the business instead of working in the business. And let me step back because I think you and I have used the term working on the business versus working in the business. And that might not be a concept that's easy to get your your, your head around, could you explain to us what it means to work on the business instead of working in the business?
0: When somebody's working uh, in the business, they're making pizzas. They're serving uh, their their clientele. They are creating something that, that they're achieving. When you're working on the business, you're thinking about, should we be in the pizza business? Uh, Gee, what if we added uh, uh something else to the to the menu? In fact, is a restaurant even good at this particular location? You do not think about those things when you're making the pizza mm-hmm. so that that's a that's an example uh, So the answer to your question you, how can you rise above it? yeah no pun rising and pizza in the same conversation. The, f- the first thought is to step away, to simply step away, reflect and think. Spend the time, as we've talked about before, spend the time to indeed not have a tactical, gotta do it right now conversation. There's too many distractions in the world already this opportunity gives you when you step away to work on what's going on. And it doesn't have to be the business. Mm -hmm. You can be working on your relationships. Another rather significant one I think is listen. I don't remember in school that class on listening. I sure remember the one on reading and I sure remember the one on arithmetic, but I can't remember the one on listening for some reason. And uh, yet I can recall being told that I didn't listen uh, more than once by a number of, uh, of uh, teachers. Listening, if that's an art form that you can develop and you can train yourself to be good at, mm-hmm. you have a chance of then thinking differently. Uh, and the, uh, the other one that I guess I would mention is dream. If you have the opportunity to think beyond where you are, to color outside the lines, to not be inside the box that you're in, to anticipate things that are well beyond our own imagination, then you've got the opportunity to make a difference. Uh, Everything that we know today is going, is not going to be very valuable a couple thousand years from now Mm -hmm. but how to how to build something that is has a lasting effect is the kind of thing that i believe is the way to step away from what you're doing Mm -hmm. and come up with some idea that is grand and an experiment and has a lasting effect on humanity
1: so i'm gonna i'm gonna um, give people a cheat and give people a short uh, a, a quick path to being able to work on the business and that yes. is um my ability to work on the business was getting out of my business it's a very uh, services oriented business i engage and interact with clients all the time team members all this stuff and it just gets you swarming with with you know thoughts and, and thinking about what you're not getting done and looking at your task list and all those things and so i'm going to give two cheats number one Join a peer advisory board. It forces you to get out of your business for a day, a month. And that is so valuable to force you to do that. Number two, one of the guys who's in my peer advisory group or was was in one of my other groups, uh, and you mentioned him, Dr. Carl Clark, he had the greatest, you know, strategy when it came to vacation. And it's sort of a twofold. One is about how to work on the business, but also how to get the business to make sure that it is able to take care of itself and the leaders that you um, you bring together are able to lead. And his theory was, if you go on vacation for a week, all your problems will be waiting for you when you return. If you go on vacation for two weeks, your problems will be ready, waiting for you when you return and they will be behind the ball or be delayed or be late. If you go on vacation for three weeks, Problems get solved without you being hands-on involved, and that, for some reason, I think he told the group that six, five, six years ago. That's been one of the most powerful things that I've learned. Again, from one of my peers, not from a speaker, but from my my peers in the group, because not only does that give you the true vacation you need to reset and recharge your own batteries, not only does it give your organization a forced autonomy to work, to lead, to problem solve, to make decisions in your absence. It also challenges you to establish the culture, establish the philosophy, establish the passion so that when you're gone, decisions are made without you in a way that supports the vision you've created. But it also allows you to let the business be worked on and you get away from that for a while in order to get back to it. Another cheat I learned from a gentleman that does a lot of uh, startup uh, and investing uh, here locally in the Colorado area, he goes away once a quarter for a three-day weekend and takes a bunch of magazines, takes a bunch of books, does not respond to a single email, does not respond to a single text. I think he doesn't even take his phone or any electronic devices with him, and he says it's the most thoughtful and most strategic he can ever get is that three-day weekend every quarter where he's completely unplugged. So I do, you know, I do see that firsthand and I have um, had the pleasure of, of, of being able to take a three week vacation where I completely unplugged. I have been doing quarterly retreats where I go away for three days and you're looking at me like, did I really do that? Well, if you remember, Chris, I got my hip replaced. Well, I was going to say that wasn't a vacation as I remember it. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was time off. I did get my hip replaced about seven, six or seven years ago. And I forced myself to take the complete three weeks off to recover, to allow my team to have the autonomy, to do all the things that other people told me were a great thing to do. And it was amazing. I came back and the business was still doing well. People were making decisions. And I believe that was one of the greatest acts of leadership development by not being there that I probably could have ever
0: done. And all of what you had done before that time to create the culture and the environment to allow that to happen had set that in force such that you could do that. Right
1: shocking all the crap out of every one of my clients. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, Chris, if you had, uh, and I think th- this has been an amazing, amazing session. I think there's been uh, a lot of depth and a lot of things that people probably weren't expecting to get from this, uh, this interview. Uh, so I hate to ask you for a little bit more, but I'm going to ask you for sharing a few more things. And it might be a recap of what you've already shared with us. But if you had, and we're all we're all looking for bullet points, right? We're looking for the three things, the four things, the two things, and three seems to be a magic number. So, if you had three points of advice to give an entrepreneurial CEO
0: to help them succeed, what would it be? You want the cheat list? Yes, the cheat list. Okay, yes. let's see what we can do. <clears throat> Let me think about this for a moment. Well, one of the things that I I remember uh, IBM years ago had a little thing that they plopped on a desk and it said think and it was a handout and every almost you walked into an ibm office think was everywhere on people's desks the thing that i invite you to put on your desk and you can create a little tent out of it and make it sit there is ask yourself this question and put it in front of you are you doing ceo stuff question mark One of the things that i think people suffer with is they do things that they're comfortable with that they're familiar with that they're really good at if you're a really good salesman and you're the ceo of an organization and you're out there selling is that ceo stuff if you're a great cfo and suddenly you're stuck in the closing process because it's comfortable and it feels good is that ceo stuff so Ask yourself that and that probably will knock a few hours out of your day. Uh, uh, The next one that I can think of is, is whatever you're doing right now, the highest and best use of you? Highest and best use tends to come from the real estate business of, is this property being appraised at the highest and best use of its value? think about the highest and best use of you. If you're not, what things can you do to get yourself into that highest and best use of you? You want a third point, huh?
1: Yeah, you know, we all think in terms of threes. I got to be honest, those two are pretty powerful. And I got to be honest, if anybody took away from this, that each day you start your day, whether it's 4 a.m. or 7 a.m. or 2 a.m., asking yourself, what can I do that CEO stuff or ask myself, what can I do today that's the highest and best use of you? That'd be pretty powerful. But we do think in threes. So I would love to have a third one if you've got something, a good nugget to share.
0: Well, let me think. Uh, Fail forward. Fail forward. And in that regard, fail forward towards your purpose, toward your dream. If you're failing forward, you will succeed. Perfect. I love that. Um,
1: So Chris, this has been a pretty powerful uh, episode. There's a lot of depth, I think, that we haven't really explored in this podcast before. Uh, There are some cheats. There are some quick how-tos and some bullet points. But we really got into a lot of depth about really how to think about leadership, not just doing leadership. And I think that 's critical. I think that 's unique in this world is helping people think about how to think about things versus helping people create a bullet list about being more efficient or more effective and From that perspective, I think this has been unbelievably powerful. Are there any other and I hate to ask this because you 've already shared so much and it 's gone uh, more more in depth than I would have imagined it to go. What other ideas, Uh, again, helping people work on themselves instead of focusing on getting things done or being more efficient or more effective? Are there other ideas to share, to help the leaders of today and tomorrow to drive growth more effortlessly?
0: Hmm. Surround yourself with the best. Surround yourself with diverse thinking. Indeed, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you are. It's often hard to hire people that are smarter than you are. It's really easy though when they're there. Uh, and surround yourself with people that have fresh ideas. And that perhaps suggests that you need to think about who you, who's around you right now. Are they giving you those fresh ideas? Are you? Are they giving you honest feedback? And uh, if they're not, add some more people to your list. I, I would. I'm going to give you one more. Uh, really listen to the ideas of others. Uh, you're listening to Brett's podcast. You're already doing it, so keep listening. Keep thinking.
1: You know, it's interesting. I think uh, when I work with younger CEOs and more seasoned CEOs, I do see a trend. The younger the CEO, the more often they think they are the smartest person in the room, the more seasoned, the more experienced CEO realizes that they are far from being the smartest person in the room. I don't think that's a
0: coincidence, do you? I know it's not a coincidence. I certainly put myself into the know-it-all category years ago, and I, as Mark Twain might have said, I, I'm learning even about myself that I'm I'm more stupid and more stupid as the years years go by. Uh, in fact, I remember telling my son years ago that the definition of a of a wise know-it-all is somebody that uh knows that they're uh, only right 95% of the time. <laughs> Absolutely. How do you know if if you're getting
1: so the whole idea of surrounding yourself with people that are going to give you good advice and this sort of this goes to the the one of the topics you talked about in the beginning of trust. How do you know who's giving you good advice versus who's giving you biased advice? How do, you know, how do you know when you're trusting someone?
0: I believe that you will know it when you will not make a decision without their input. You will know that you have a trusted group of people around you. If you will make a decision, remember it's your decision, it's not the decisions of those folks if you will make a decision and go to these people ahead of time and get their different thinking, then you will have arrived at knowing that you trust what they have to say. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: That's, I think that's a challenge for a lot. I know that's been a challenge for me is knowing who to trust and who not to trust and how to trust. Um, just, you know, open full kimono as I, uh, that's that's always been an issue, and it could be because of um, history of choosing the wrong people to be around me. It could be history of me thinking that I was the smartest guy in the room and that everyone else is biased. It could be a paranoia that I think everybody is out to get me. could be a lot of reasons, but that's been one of my biggest challenges to overcome is to learn who to trust and how to trust. And I think I've barely started scratching the surface on that one this has been a longer than usual podcast i think we normally try to be 30 to 45 minutes this has been just about an hour i have a lot of fun doing these podcasts i have a lot of fun because i realize how little i know about a person that i've known for a long time Uh, chris i've known you for years i think i've always been the recipient Uh, i've always been on the student side of of you and so therefore i haven't had enough time to really get to know you and understand you as well as I probably could have. I love doing these podcasts because I love getting to know people in a different frame set and a different lens. And for that, I'm truly grateful that you were able to be a part of this podcast and grateful that you were able to share some wisdom. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, I've known Chris for a long time, what would we would say a hundred million years in one. We'll be a hundred and one just as soon as we can make that Right. And I have, Uh, I have been the recipient and been the beneficiary of Chris's wisdom of the Peer Advisory Board that he runs, which is known as Vistage, V-I-S-T-A-G-E. And while I'm not uh, uh, directly uh, connected to uh, selling Vistage, I am a big fan. And I do think that uh, Vistage as a Peer Advisory Board or a Peer Advisory Group or others uh, that may be more uh, approachable to you are the best ways to really grow as a CEO or as a leader of a business. And so while Chris won't uh, promote Vistage, I am actually going to promote Vistage on his behalf to say that it has been very beneficial to me and having Chris as a coach to me has been very beneficial. On that note, I want to say thank you to everyone. I hope you have a great morning, great midday, great evening. I hope this wasn't too fast for you as you listen to us in 1.5 or 2 or 10 X speeds and We hope you have a great morning, afternoon, or evening. Thank you.